0: Hi everybody and welcome to Slaying with Santa Rob, episode number 23. Thanks for being here. I hope you've been enjoying every, uh, every week's podcast. We've been having a lot of fun uh, doing these. I, uh, I think that you're really going to enjoy today's episode. It's somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a while. And uh, we're not going to do a big build-up, we're just going to dive right into it. Let's welcome to Slaying It with Santa Rob, CCM legend Steve Camp.
1: Hello. Are you are you there, Steve? I am here. I can't believe it. I
0: don't believe it. after after trying to connect last friday i was about to throw in the towel
1: oh man i don't know what i was just telling my wife i said i know i'm supposed to be on with him at seven and i still can't get through and uh it took me i i deleted at least what i initially did here i deleted the uh spotify app and then just you know, put it back on, and right. uh, and oh man, it's uh, it worked. I couldn't <laughs> believe it.
0: I, I went through this about two weeks ago. I interviewed uh, Dale Thompson from from the band Bride. Oh yeah, and, and it never fazed me that there would be a headache. He lives in New Zealand. Oh my goodness! And after about about a half an hour, we figured out it was the browser. Wow. It just, it just wouldn't work with what we have over here in the States.
1: Oh, it, And out
0: of, out of the blue, his voice appeared. It's like, okay, keep talking. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. I can't. Well, thank you for your patience.
0: Well, I, I'm glad you're here. You're, you're the one guy people kept saying, you've got to talk to Steve Camp.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, it's an honor to be here. Uh... It's an honor to be slaying it with you tonight. This is great. Hey,
0: we're, we're happy to have you in the sleigh, man, because this is what it's all about.
1: You, <laughs>
0: you, you, never, you, you never know who's going to be on here. I've had wrestlers on here. I have musicians. I've had cartoonists, and, and uh, it, it, it's, it's always fun. But, you know, I, I thought it would be cool just to go back and, in the early days and discuss the early career that, that you got going back in the 70s.
1: Oh, man, it would be my joy. Now, where where am I talking to you at? Where are you located?
0: I'm on the west side of Indianapolis.
1: Oh, okay. I have some good friends that live in Fisher.
0: Okay. Yeah, they're, I drive through there often. My daughter goes to school up in Ball State and Muncie.
1: Oh, okay. So,
0: so we drive through Fisher's every time we have to head up that way.
1: So does she remember David Letterman?
0: She's only 18.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: but but she does walk past the Letterman School, uh, the Letterman Broadcasting School every day.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, they, yeah they, Dave, they at least owed him that.
0: <laughs> Dave, Dave spends a lot of money at Ball State. Does he really? Oh, he's got an incredible state-of-the-art facility. Wow. But, yeah, she's a... Uh, that's where she is. So my wife and I go up there quite often, and so that, that's what's that's what happens there.
1: Oh man, tremendous!
0: But uh, but before before you get into your uh, your first album, I, I have a question that I absolutely have to ask. Yes, sir. I've got a tight connection with the guys in Petra.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: and I and I know. That you were a guest singer on Come and Join
1: Us. I was.
0: What did you sing? What did you do?
1: I always, it wasn't a duet. It wasn't a uh, guest soloist. It was just part of a group of backgrounds. So they just said, hey, you're in the studio. Let's do it. So, you know, I have that happen sometimes with me where, you know, we'll have artists drop by or, you know, studio singers and we're saying, hey, join the chorus and you know it's that kind of thing so uh it wasn't any it, it wasn't anything prominent but i was excited just to be included as one of the background singers that's the best yeah
0: that that's because I, I remember all those years ago looking through the looking through the credits going steve was on there <laughs> really
1: yeah they t- they they tucked me way back in the corner you know <laughs> so uh <laughs>
0: well it, it's it's hard to sing over hartman's lead guitar that's all
1: oh that's very true yeah very true and you know whether it was greg volts or whether it was uh john singing lead i mean those guys yeah. what, what a great talent each of them are so
0: yeah you know, they're, they're still doing it they're celebrating their 50th year anniversary right now.
1: yeah, I saw that. just and amazing
0: and, and, and you know there's always been arguments of who's better, who's best it's like who cares yeah. Petra isn't Petra isn't a band. Petra is a ministry
1: yeah well, and, and you know in the in the workings of a band though it it is something that uh, that happens. you see that even in in pop music, uh, like with the the great band Van Halen and and the different lead singers that they have had throughout their history, just like with the Eagles. Um, You know, members join and members fall off, but uh, you know, the centrality of the band and the music and so forth is profound. And uh, so, you know, it's just the nature of how it is, uh, whether it be a bass player, a drummer, a keyboard player, you know, you get that. I, I was watching the other night on YouTube, uh, all through my my musicality. I've always been a big fan of Foreigner. Sure. Uh, such a great band. Well, anyway, Lou Graham, who uh, also did a thing with Petra years ago, but yes. Lou, Lou has become a Christian, and but my favorite rock and roll singer of all time. And, and you know, he's had some real health problems. So they had to find someone else uh, to take his spot in Foreigner and sing right. those amazing, iconic vocals. And they did. Right. I don't know the gentleman's name, but boy.
0: Kel- Kelly Hanson.
1: Kelly Hansen, Thank you. And just was tremendous similar to steve perry and yes. and journey and uh, so and steve is now a brother in christ so you know what a what a great journey it is so it is a ministry but the band the elements of that people get attached to it and but each singer they got to give each other a little little props because they bring you know something different in the mix and it's always right. great to hear that
0: right right well, and, and that's that's where you come in because well, you don't have to fight with anybody. You're just Steve.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing the internal battles I have with myself, <laughs> Ar- arguing with myself about a lyric and uh, a performance, or you know, you you listen when you're recording a record. You listen several hundred times to every song, and you know every little nook and cranny of where you're hearing the little mistakes or you think you could do it better. So right. yeah, I've had those uh, self-defeating de- battles and I never win the <laughs> argument, so it's all good. Just,
0: just when you think you got it right, you think, now let's do that one again.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, who were some of your early influences um, in the Jesus movement?
1: Well, you know, uh, probably the biggest influence that I had was Larry Norman. Uh, You know, I had followed Larry's work since I think Upon This Rock came out in 69. And the, uh, you know, it was such an iconic record. Um, It even holds up today. If people listen to it, it holds up today. I think you can download it. And uh, on iTunes or something, and it is really exciting. The thing, though, about Larry that was my connection there was his songwriting. Right. And and it was you know after uh, after I graduated high school, I went on to LA for a time. I got a deal with Mom's Records uh, and so forth. And you know it was an interesting thing. I started in pop music that Mm -hmm. way but when clive davis told me that if i would change the name of jesus to baby i'd have much better songs and uh and so you know i i became friends with larry and i was glad for his mentorship in my life about how to craft a song and he was a consummate writer in fact i think paul simon at one point when they said you know who is the poet laureate of pop rock music and it was back in the day and he said there's a a guy named larry norman and he hasn't had the commercial success some of us have had but he's got all the influence and larry tremendous writer so he was probably my biggest influence uh he allowed me to come out and do some concerts with him and uh um you know different things and it was uh it was a delight to be able up up close to to see that kind of gifted man uh you know uh invest with someone younger trying to deal with the craft of those things Uh, you know out of that obviously uh I had a chance to meet Randy Stonehill and then early on uh Keith Green uh second chapter of Vax and and those artists and uh you know, it was great. Even Barry McGuire and, and that group. I mean, it's just, it was wonderful. Uh, you know, 1982, the Lord took Keith home and, and uh, we sure miss him even to this day, right. but those, you know, those flavors that the, the one thing though, brother, that, that uh, really kind of targeted that for me with each of them is all of those artists are singer songwriters. And that's what right. I, I, right. Uh, You know, I don't have the greatest voice, but I use what I have for the Lord. Uh, And at the same time where I really connect, uh, I've been keyboard based and guitar based for years, more keyboard than guitar, but is, is in crafting the song and, and being a wordsmith, a lyricist as well. Mm -hmm. So those are the things when I gravitated to early artists, in fact, even during that time of the Jesus movement, there was an amazing thing happening in the culture. When Expo 72 happened at the Cotton Bowl down in Dallas, yeah. you, you not only had Billy Graham as a keynote speaker and some of the early Christian artists like Love Song and others, but you also had in the mix like a Chris Christopherson or even a Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music coming out of the peace pollution revolution age in the sixties, um, that it gave birth to some great, uh, singer songwriters. And even in pop rock music, they were crafting some great songs. You remember Elton John's song, tiny dancer, sure. uh, Bernie Taupin, you know, that great lyricist for all of Elton's music you know, he wrote, Jesus freaks out on the streets, handing tickets out for God. I mean, the move of the Lord in those early days, not like we see in recent days now where it's more manufactured, but a genuine move of revival and reformation in those days. And music was such a big part of the culture. And it was undeniable that even artists within the highest echelons of secular music, uh, you know, were giving attention to it. So, you know, all of that factored into my own development as an artist. And coming out, I grew up in Chicago uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of the great R&B with Curtis Mayfield and Earth, Wind & Fire and Lou Rawls. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, I remember seeing Styx uh, play, you know, in high school and uh, the band Rush and different things. So all of that was adding to my own growth as an artist, a musician, and then it carries on today.
0: Right. Yeah, you just take bits and pieces. It's funny you mentioned Chicago because I've always said, I'm a firm believer that the best bands in the world came out of Illinois.
1: <laughs> it's really true. Well, you know, I it's it's been fun. Years ago, I was working on a record called One on One. And... Uh, The song, He Covers Me, had really gained some traction uh, during that time, which I was honored uh, to get with uh, people being encouraged by that song. Well, in the studio, I, you know, I said, boy, I wish we had some great background guys. And uh, one of the great producers of all time, Bill Schnee, engineer, producer. Uh, everything from Huey Lewis and the News to Steely Dan to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you name it, uh, all the direct-to-disc recording for Michael Jackson. And I was at his studio, and Bill says, let me make a couple of calls. Well, in walks uh, the lead singers for Chicago. Oh, my. And and I became friends with Bill Champlin and Jason Scheff, and and boy, did they sing amazing. And we ended up doing a series of songs and records together uh in fact i i heard from them in the studio about a year ago year and a half ago uh someone had texted me and said you'll never guess on the tour bus who i'm sitting next to is bill champlin sons of champlin one of the great singers of all time jason chef incredible gifted men i have to pinch myself to think of some of these great artists i've been able to work with throughout the years but those guys uh took me inside a bit and uh I couldn't have asked for for better influences and the, the creativity that they bring to some of my own songs. So it's an amalgamation, like you're saying, bits and pieces of the influences of those various artists. So when someone says, hey, man, this song sounds like xyz i'm like thank you because that's who i was paying tribute to yes yeah. in the musicality of that and uh so yeah great great flexibility in that but also in the writing as well
0: So you, you mentioned you mentioned some real icons in there I'm, i've had the privilege of uh, of working with with randy stonehill and hosting him several times
1: oh and, wow
0: uh, he's a. Uh, R- randy's a great singer randy's also car randy if you're if you're if you're listening, you owe me another show in Indy, but that's another story.
1: Oh no. Uh, Randy is great. I I know he and Phil Keggy have done, uh, quite a few shows over the last several years together. Uh, but you know, Randy's, uh, I mean, some of those early songs of Randy, I mean, people look to Larry for a lot of that early foundation of, uh, Christian rock, Christian music, pop music, but you know, Randy's, uh, song keep me you know running different keep, ones like this yeah. i mean oh my goodness uh, there was some great great uh moments that he's contributed just in music i mean whether he was a christian artist or not uh you know great guitar player amazing performer yeah. uh completely uninhibited i remember the first time i met randy i was Uh, down on Hollywood Boulevard near the Grams Chinese Theater. And I was having coffee with Larry or whatever. And down the street comes this guy galloping, you know, (laughs) his long, long kind of twisted hair flowing in the breeze with, you know, skinny as could be. I could only wish I'll I'll only be that thin in in heaven. You know, I just (laughs) uh, Randy's got my glorified body. But I tell you, he was tramping down the street, and it—he was just so uninhibited. And I always appreciated that unconventional way he he approached music, but still, his heart so dedicated to yeah. the Lord. And uh, so, you know, what a privilege to to count him as a as a friend in those early years, and uh, the impact he had on my own life and, and music
0: his His album Equator was the one that got me hooked on him,
1: oh yeah,, and, and it was
0: and it was more from the humorous side because I thought American fast food was the funniest thing I'd ever
1: heard. <laughs> great song well, you yeah. see that 's what I'm saying. He brought a satire and a humor of looking at the soup can in a slightly different way, right because that 's how he approached life. you know right. it was never conventional he wasn 't cookie cutter. And that, that, I think, is the sign always of a unique and a great artist. I mean, who wants to be a clone of someone rather than an original? And Randy, from top to bottom, is the real deal. An original, great American singer-songwriter. But what a contribution he's made to the body of Christ as well.
0: Oh, that's, that's a fact. And, and, and another one that I have to mention, because he told me to say hi to you. Mm. And, and, and that was Tim Archer.
1: Oh, Tim is great! Wow,
0: yeah, t- Tim. I mean, we, we we've been friends for a few years, and uh, and I messaged him. Oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, probably just before I contacted you, and he said, "Say hi to Steve for me." So,
1: hey, listen, uh, those were some of the guys I met, Tim and Steve, and when they would come to town anywhere around the Chicago area, whether it would be Wheaton College, Judson University. Uh, you know, different places. I you know, I'd make the trek and go see them and they were so amazing. I mean now those are great voices. I mean mm-hmm. in and of themselves, great, great voices. And uh so yeah, just thank you for that. Please give him my best because again, great iconic figures in uh, CCM music.
0: And and and, and another that he's he's he Stephen Janice are recording uh their, their anniversary album.
1: Oh, tremendous.
0: Which, which should be out very soon. And, and I understand you're recording again.
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a journey, man. Something I've never done before. Uh, I, I approached Tim Miner years ago about working together. And I didn't know that when he had a production company and was signed with Sparrow Records, and I did several albums for Sparrow back in the day. And he said, I want to work with Steve. And, you know, Stevie Wonder signed Tim to Motown when he was just 19 years old. Hmm. And uh, and Tim has always been a multi-gifted. He's one of the few artists, uh, and I mean this seriously, uh, that can play drums, amazing, bass, guitar, keyboards, sing, arrange, all these things. His ear, and it's, it's almost... Um, Mozart-like and how he'll hear parts. And you're in the studio and he's giving these great directions to say violinists. My wife is a graduate of Juilliard and she did a lot of the strings on this new album. And she would would put down 20 or 22 tracks of violins and viola. And it sounds like a chamber orchestra or the London Philharmonic. And I've worked with them before. And just brilliant. Well, Tim would be giving her lines to play, and both of us would look at each other and think, okay, how is this going to work? And then he plays it back, and it fits like a glove. What makes him unique, he can't read a note of music. He'll tell you they just look like dots on a page, right. but absolutely intrinsically gifted. And so I approached him about seven and a half, eight years ago. In fact, eight years ago this month. And uh, I said, I have some songs, would you like to, and before I could get the (laughs) phrase out, he goes, yes, whatever you'd like to do, I'd like to do it. Because (laughs) Billy Ray Hearn at Sparrow said, you're R&B, Steve is more rock. Those worlds won't get together. But here we are. And the reason it's taken eight years, we've just finished mastering this record. is I've got 26 songs uh, on this new album. It's a double album. And in fact, as we're talking, he's mixing my first Christmas single called Emanuel. It's an original song I wrote. And uh, I tell you, it, it has been a journey. But this album is very unique for me. It is addressing all of the woke cultural issues that are going on in our time. Very head on, very direct. Um, I've met with guys from BLM. You know, I, I get threats a lot you know, from the Alphabet Group, as well as BLM and others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I'm trying to reach out and, and to see what we can do, but to be uncompromising. And as you know, they don't like to hear the other side. Right. So this album, brother, is like a, uh, an Ecclesiastes to me. Um, it is meant in a horizontal way for everyday people. And the songs have started out that way. And we've got some very controversial moments on this record. Um, we have a song on here called Neighbors in an Age of Rage, and it deals with every aspect of what's going on in the culture right now. And uh, it's been an amazing time. So little by little, the Christmas song, Lord willing, will come out here in about a month. Excellent. And then uh, we're going to sneak peek uh, a few uh, songs, and then, Lord willing, the album will drop on, uh january 15th which is martin luther king day and uh, i hope people will be responsive to this i I did have a chance to record uh uh, a song that i've wanted to do for years by one of my musical heroes and that's bob dylan okay and and i recorded serve somebody and uh and it was uh It was just great. Uh, And Phil Kagey ended up playing lead guitar on it and just ripped it apart. It was so great. And so we have some uh, unique moments on there, uh, you know, with this. But uh, 99% of the songs are original. And uh, I think people, uh, we had uh, Claude McKnight on from uh, Take Six. He came in. And uh, we have a song on here called Burn Your Plastic Jesus. That's a acapella uh, kind of treatment. Did I lose you, Steve? Are we back? We are back. I, what part did I lose you with?
0: You were explaining the acapella song.
1: Oh yeah, uh, again, a moment on the record, uh, just uh, incredible. And uh, if you remember the old street singers out of Philadelphia, the Blue-Eyed Soul, where people would have you know these large metal drums and the fire burning in it and you'd have a group of singers around it. That's how we tried to approach it. So all kinds of influences on this, but we're really talking about what it means Uh, to live as neighbors in an age of rage on this record. So some great gospel songs, but many of them are horizontal, meaning uh, what does it mean not only to love your neighbor, but what does it mean to identify in the crisis that we find ourselves in this nation? Uh, We do have a very controversial song in this record called All Lives Matter. And uh, I hope uh, it might be the first single, and I hope that people will respond in a good way to it. Uh, even though it challenges the woke uh, CRT rhetoric uh, that's going on today. But yeah, 26 new songs, a new Christmas song, and uh, it'll be a double record that we hope will drop in about four or five months.
0: Where will it be available?
1: You know, I don't have a label, so it's, it's, you know, right now, the reason it's taken is so long to record it as we had to raise the money as we went along. Okay, And we, try, we tried to spare no expense on this. We just had it as an example, Phil Lasseter and his great horn section. Uh, they live in Amsterdam and Phil does all of the horns, uh, you know, for Justin Timberlake. And he had performed with Prince and oh. all these guys. Phil's dad, uh, a pastor. And I met Phil through Tim and uh, he's done six or seven horn charts on the record and uh just tremendous so we've had to take our time and really raise the money so the album is paid for uh but now i'm in the second phase of looking to raise money so that we can independently market it and uh, make it available so it's going to be all online um you know through itunes and here at spotify and different places uh, there's about 12 or 13 different online music agencies, distro kid and others that we're going to make it available with. And, uh, and then we'll see what, what the Lord does with it. So I'd covet your prayers on it I, very I, I, much. This sounds like a job for CD baby. Oh, there you go. Well, and CD baby is yeah. Also in the mix. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, You know, my wife said, honey, you're you're starting from experience, but it's a different industry than it was when you were active full time. So that's the thing. I'm going to school again uh, on this. And the good news is uh, not many people have figured it out yet. So I don't feel too far behind the curve. But Mm -hmm. man, there there are some great opportunities for independent artists of which we've seen lately right and uh, and we're hoping that this uh, record will find a, a place in the mix there with people
0: yeah the, the, it, it's a totally different world I I worked with uh, John DeGroff, Bill Glover and Greg Hogue the, oh, yeah. the original the original Petra guys yeah um, when they re- reunited as a band called GHF got us forgiven and uh, I was up uh, up with those guys when they were uh, mastering it and telling them I was going to do YouTube videos and this and that. And, and uh, John just couldn't get it through his head. Why would you release a song before they buy it? Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: it's because that's how it works now.
1: Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, it is true.
0: It, 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 it frustrates me. I'm, I'm going to pick on Striper for a minute. I've been a Striper fan since day one, but it always bothered me that they, were, they would release a song on iTunes every day few weeks or every month or whatever and you'd have the whole album before the album came out
1: yeah but well you know you see that in the literary field as well authors are releasing a chapter a week or a chapter every two weeks with an audio read of that same chapter and then over a period of you know 10 or 20 weeks you have the whole book that they've been able to buy in piecemeal or contribute in piecemeal so today, uh, you know, someone was telling me the other day, they said, Steve, don't drop with 26 songs on a double record. You want to, you know, leak that out, you know, in song by song fashion. Right. And uh, and in an EP fashion. So that's why we'll have a, a Christmas song or two, some of the, the singles on the album, and then we're going to have an Easter EP uh, here that we're going to be doing uh, as well for people. So new, new Easter songs for people to sing and choirs and different things as well. Soloists can use them. And at the same time, be able to release these songs individually. And I was really privileged, man, on this album, not only to work with Tim and these great artists, but as I mentioned, my wife did all the strings on this, just unbelievable Mm-hmm. But um, I have a talented family. I have two sons that can rap and freestyle. Uh, I'm telling you with the best of them, Tim has worked with a lot of rap artists and pop and Christian music. And he goes, Steve, these guys are amazing. So we did a song on the record where they're featured and uh, some of the kids sang and then we had them in a group together. And uh, so uh, even there's a song I wrote while putting one of our grandkids that live about 20 minutes from us here, uh, one of our granddaughters, Kai, and uh, we got to have her for a few days while her mom and dad were out a little bit. And and uh, I was starting to sing a little melody to her and it turned into a song and it's a parent lullaby for the record. And when I played it for Tim, uh, he says, oh, we've got to put this on here. It's going to be a great moment. So it's called Be the Village. And uh, again, a moment for parents to say, especially in this day and age where they're farming their kids out to the state where the, you know, I think President Biden, what, a few months ago said, hey, they're not your kids. They're all of our kids. Well, that's human trafficking language. Uh, That is dangerous language uh, for parents. And we're seeing this happen. In mass now, uh, where even the state with transgender issues and so forth, they're saying that uh, parents should be left out of decisions directly affecting their kids in education, in this uh, really dark, evil, uh, you know, uh, gender reassignment, surgery, mutilation, all these different things. I mean, this is satanic at its core. Yeah. And even people that aren't believers realize darkness has come on this nation like we haven't seen it in a long time. And so that's why these songs, songs that are stating the issue positively, but encouraging parents, hey, they're your kids. Uh, It's great to see moms and dads show up at parent uh, school board meetings and speak out and even risking arrest and different things so that their voice is heard and uh i tell you uh, between cindy and i we have seven kids five grandkids one grandchild on the way mm-hmm. and uh our youngest daughter is getting married this october and it's just it's an amazing time that we live in but i thank the lord that um each of them you know uh those that have kids uh, want to be strong parental influences in their life, right. and I tell them don't get, don't give up ground on this. And so, again, neighbors in an age of rage. How do we respond to these parent issues? How do we respond biblically to human trafficking? How do we respond to the issues of racism and uh, and these kind of things? There are answers in a biblical worldview uh and that's what i've tried to take some time to write and uh, tim and i co-wrote some things as well together so just a just a joy thank you for letting me share by the way about the new album because it's been a Absolutely. labor of love so far
0: yeah I, I, I read about it quite a while ago and i'm thinking it's got to be soon <laughs>
1: so <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know we I, I, it was so funny when we had 10 or 11 songs, I said, hey, Tim, I've got a 12th. He goes, let me hear it. He goes, got to be on the record. <laughs> well, that continued on for another 14 songs. And the, my my kids were like, dad, are you kidding me? You keep writing. I said, I still have, I, I mean, I keep writing all the time. I still have a bunch of other songs, but we have to cut it off at some point. Yeah. Uh, but again, not having released a record for a number of years, this is um, just a joy. And I, I hope that, Again, over the next several years that the Lord will use these songs to encourage people in many areas of their life, especially in the gospel of Christ. Yeah, this,
0: I, well, I know there's going to be a lot of people looking forward to it. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to hear you do serve somebody.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a favorite. We try to take a little interesting swing here. It's a little blues oriented, very rocking, but it has a David Bowie kind of a texture to it. And uh, we'll see what you think. I'd be interested in your uh, opinion after you hear it. It will be great. I,
0: I'm going to love it. And, and I can't think of who it was, but Phil Keggy did serve somebody. It's on YouTube, and I can't think of who he sang it with.
1: Oh, serious? On a live recording, or was it a studio recording?
0: It, it, it's, it's a, it's a live, it was in a live show. If you YouTube, Phil Keggy served somebody, it's there. I just can't remember who he sings it with.
1: You know, he didn't mention that when we were putting down his solos at his home studio. So I'll have to I'll have to check that out. Uh, he, that, that'll be great.
0: He, he was another one. He was I, I, I did Christian shows for about eight years, just shy of eight years. And he was the last great big one that I did. And uh, it was a, it was a joy. I, I had I had him and I had his niece, Sherry, open up for him.
1: Oh, yeah, sherry's amazing as well well so, you know what's what's incredible about Phil for me is not only his history of glass harp and other things great singer songwriter, obviously one of the great guitar players in any genre of music in the history of music um but you know the man is an amazing singer i you know people see the influence of Paul McCartney in his vocals right, but he's He is effortless in how he runs the scales and uh, just sings so amazing. So, again, I have to pinch myself when I'm in the studio with some of these guys thinking, how did I get invited to this party? Yeah. Uh, Because of those kinds of gifted talent. And it's great to see Phil still out there playing. In fact, I saw on Facebook uh, a concert that he and Randy Stonehill are going to be doing soon. Yes. Uh, you know, and, uh, so great, great to see that. I hope that they come to Florida and that, you know, we could, uh, enjoy their music firsthand here. That would be great.
0: I, I got a question, um, from a friend of mine on Facebook Yes, named Jeff Jones. Uh, he recently lost his brother to suicide. Oh, I'm and so sorry. His, his brother's song, his favorite song that, that uh, of his, of yours, it, uh, that he loved was uh, a love that will not let me go. And oh boy! Jeff had that played at uh, at the funeral, and he wanted to know if you could uh, tell us what inspired you to write that, if you can remember.
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, that it was a unique song for me. Uh, it's it's really based on Romans chapter eight. Uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, it, I had been writing it. There's an old hymn under a similar title, but I had been working on that song. And it was a culmination of stories that people had shared of desperate times and situations. And, uh, and here, it had a special place in my heart. I was just going to record it with a piano and vocal only, uh, to not destroy the intimacy of the song. And so for Jeff to use it is that was the intended way in which it should be used to bring comfort in really, uh, catastrophic situations, uh, with someone's life. And, uh, I was privileged to have Paul Buckmaster who did all the Elton John arrangements string wise uh, that I went to England and he did that at the, with the London Philharmonic and uh, just so beautiful and just piano and vocal. And we, we got talking about the lyric of that song. Uh, Paul passed away a few years ago, but about what that means. Um, I mean, no greater loss than the tragedy of suicide, but, you know, even there, if someone knows Christ, it's a severe mercy, isn't it? It's a severe mm-hmm. love in a good way that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers. We have to believe that, that even at those crucial uh, weighing moments um, that the Lord shows grace to us. And uh, so there's there's hope for the believer in any circumstance of life and you know we always think of us holding on to the lord uh but it's really he who has redeemed us and holds us for eternity right and uh, so i i hope that jeff and his family are encouraged i'm honored um boy that he would play that um at his brother's funeral, but I hope it was an encouragement. May I ask you, did his brother know the Lord? I honestly don't know him because I did, I did not know him. Okay.
0: And I haven't, I have not asked Jeff that. Okay.
1: Well, you know, here's, here's the great hope, um, that for any surviving member and for even those that are listening here, that, uh, You know, maybe you've had thoughts of a similar thing, but I would encourage you. The only hope that we have is the great Heidelberg Catechism begins in life and death is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Philippians 121, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's a promise given to those who know Christ. Psalm 116 verse 15 says precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Think of that. I mean, death is the great enemy of the soul. But yet in Christ, there's victory. In Christ, we can say, as Paul did in 1 Corinthians 15, that grave, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? The wages of sin is death, Romans 6:23. But the victory is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so for the Christian, for those that have trusted Christ and his gospel by grace through faith in Christ alone, that's the hope that we have. Uh, That's the eternal hope we have. If someone dies in their sins, the tragedy is they immediately wake up, not in glory, not in the comfort in the presence of the Lord, but in torment and eternal judgment. So, you know, this is this is serious in in the midst of all the political economic educational issues ad nauseum that we see the big issue is theological you know are are people ready to meet the lord Mm -hmm. are they ready to know the love of god in christ jesus i had a chance to share this yesterday i pastor a church here in florida Mm -hmm. uh, called the cross church in palm city florida i've been lead pastor here for 14 years and uh, a question came up in the adult Sunday school class of, of this very issue of John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And one person asked, well, does God love everybody the same way? And we think people try to kind of condense God's love to unconditional love. And that's really a misnomer. Uh, there's, there's no real thing called unconditional love because God's love even had a condition that Christ had to come and die. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if God could love us, with, apart from Christ and the cross and his bodily resurrection, then there was no need for his son to come. And so, the love of God, I tell people all the time, rather than saying to them, "God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, I try to say to them, "Would you like to know the love of the love of God? Would you like to be certain that you are one of his children?" And they'll say, "Well, I thought I already was. Have you confessed Christ as Lord of your life?" And they'll say "No, and I'll say, Well, here, Romans 5, 5, the spirit of God is the one who sheds God's love abroad in our hearts. God's love is only connected by the cross through his son to us. And so I constantly tell people, if you would like to know the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, you must confess Christ and be regenerated, born again by the spirit of God. And that... That puts a fine point on it, doesn't it? Rather than God's unconditional love, which is indiscriminate, um, it's impersonal, but rather than that, and it's unbiblical, unconditional love is not a biblical uh, premise. And I know this may be shocking for some people to hear because the culture has so invaded the church, but it's God's conditional love upon his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that faith in him brings eternal life and so all of that was behind there is a love that will not let me go and it's because of that love being extended as a gift by god in christ through the holy spirit i think is that romans 5 8 that he says god demonstrated his own love for us that while we were sinners christ died for us there's the love of god connected with the cross of Christ. So that was the inspiration for that song. And uh, wow. Jeff, if you're listening, I hope that this is an encouragement to you. And I don't mean this lightly. We'll, lightly we will be praying for you and your family uh, and uh, that you can use this tragic incident as a witness to others to come to Christ. Well, thank you for sharing all that. There, there's, there's a lot of ma- manufactured uh,
0: Christian thoughts right now yeah and and it's people like to mold things to their own beliefs and the 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 truth is a hard thing to swallow sometimes
1: yeah well you know you you mentioned something very important here the truth truth by definition is exclusive you cannot have two opposing views at the same time being truth Um, A truism, two plus two equals four. We can't say two plus three equals four. And even the people passionately believe it. Uh, it, It's the same thing biblically. Uh, I I try to encourage people these days, read the word of God, read it, Uh, go through it faithfully. I developed a reading plan a few years ago where it takes people through the entire Bible in 60 days and it's only an hour a day and they get through it all, then I encourage them once they finish, take a few days break and then read it again, begin again in another translation. And it's been life-changing for folks to read the word that's different than studying the word, meditating upon it, obeying it, um, hiding it in our hearts and so forth. There's a joy in just reading it, a blessing in just reading it devotionally. And when we do that, we discover the truth of all issues of life and godliness are contained in the scriptures for us. And then we're not deceived by those cultural uh, voices that try to creep in by the spirit of the age that that want to make a mockery of the Lord and and crank out fake Christians that love to show up to church 11 o'clock sharp and leave 12 o'clock dull and they don't know Jesus. They've been to church, but they've never come to Christ. Church is important, but you must come to Christ first. And uh, so, yeah, it's um, a wonderful thought you had there. Truth by definition is exclusive. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. He alone is bringing us to the nexus of all issues. What does it mean to be saved and have eternal life?
0: Okay, we're hitting heavy stuff, guys. (laughs) Uh, Let's soften it up for one second. Sure. Let's go back to the music days. What is your opinion of of what was your highlight album for you?
1: Wow, what a question. Um,
0: I'm looking at your discography right now, and I'm thinking I couldn't even begin.
1: Yeah, you know, each one is so different uh, and and, and done in themes. Mercy in the Wilderness was, in 94, a a praise and worship record uh, a bit ahead of its time because the big praise and worship craze, as it were, hadn't really hit the United States yet. And uh, so it was early on. In fact, the label was like, these are all praise songs. What are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. and uh so that was unusual but it's been a an encouragement then you have justice uh that has songs like don't tell them jesus loves them and do you feel their pain written about the aids issue in 87 uh at the time one of my favorite records is consider the cost which was written after reading my friend john MacArthur's book the gospel according to jesus and Every song on that record stems from that book in some way, shape, or form, and it's all about the gospel. Uh, You know, Saying It With Love was my first record. People say, boy, Steve, you looked young. I said, well, I was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a reason I look like I'm in my 20s. Uh, 22, I think, in fact. And they said, your voice sounds higher too. And I said, well, exactly. This yeah. was I'm 68 now. So this was, what, 46 years ago? Yeah, there, there's a
0: reason for that. Uh,
1: there's a reason for that, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm, I'm still alive and kicking. So here we go. Uh, you know, uh, the After God's Own Heart record uh, was timely because it came on the heels of all the major TBN scandals that happened years ago. And uh, people, I, I, you know, were saying, "What are you going to write about this?" And I wanted to write an album that would be an encouragement. And John Rosasco, again, a great producer, writer, piano player, arranger. Uh, I told John, I said, "John, could we do a hymn on this record?" So he did a beautiful arrangement of "When I Survey the Wondrous Cross," mm-hmm. and uh, it's a favorite. So. Yeah, you know, these varied records throughout the years. Uh, Taken Heaven by Storm was my first album uh, that I worked with Michael O'Mardian on. And so that has special meaning for me. But it was uh, a record that featured a song called He Is Able. And I wrote that for John's wife, John MacArthur's wife, Patricia. She and her daughter were in a very severe uh, car accident. And when I saw her, she had uh, one of the devices on. They had to bolt into her uh, head to hold her neck straight. She had broken vertebrae. They were wondering how she was going to survive. And I was praying for her one night and working at the piano. And the phrase I kept coming across was, he is able. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And so I wrote that song for her and praise the Lord. The Lord healed her and restored her health. So, anyway, these different albums have different meanings, um, you know, going on at the time. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, the Lord still uses some of these songs to encourage people in their life in Him.
0: I think I just asked you to pick your favorite child. So, if that's right, that that probably wasn't fair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, It. It's hard because the songs represent different things at different times. And some of my favorite songs are songs that uh, maybe didn't enjoy the kind of airplay that I thought we might get or whatever, but it it, it had ministry in people's lives personally on a more intimate level. And that's something as well. Uh, I mean, if the Lord allows me to live another 20 years and, you know, when I started on this project, I said, Tim, am I too old to start recording? And he goes, hey, the Stones are in their 80s. You're fine. And, uh, and their new album
0: just came out.
1: And their new uh, exactly. And and so one of the things I thought would always be great is to begin putting the Psalms to music and calling it after uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great 19th century pastor at the Metropolitan tabernacle church in england in london mm-hmm. his definitive commentary was the treasury of david it was his magnum opus and i thought wouldn't it be great to take a series of psalms put them to song and include some of his words as a devotional guide to go along with the songs, so that people are actually able to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in their private devotional life, as well as at church on Sunday. So that's a future project. Uh, but yeah, you're right. These, these albums, uh, they all have a different tone and personality. Plus, a lot of it's born out of my own life and trials and, and so forth. So you get a glimpse of your own growth in the Lord and what he was taking you through at the time. So it's hard to say this one means more to me than something else.
0: Right. Okay. I'll admit it wasn't a fair question, but we got the answer that we wanted. No, great question. (laughs) No,
1: You know what? I very rarely come across a question that I haven't been asked before. And maybe along the road, someone did ask that, but May, they usually ask you know what's your favorite song as opposed to a body of work so right. kudos kudos to you my brother Re- well done
0: <laughs> well it, it, it's cool that, that you're recording again um and, and i don't know if you're your friends with with nancy Honeytree, but and you made me think of this because you're recording again nancy's about to release her first song in years
1: Oh my goodness, that's great! And
0: and, and it's simply called Jesus People.
1: Oh, interesting! And I got
0: to—I got—I'm one of the first guys who got to hear it.
1: Okay, well, you have you have DC talk that did Jesus Freak, so this could be a nice B side to that wonderful song. Uh, How is it? You've heard it?
0: uh, It's amazing. Billy Smiley produced it. Oh wow! And uh, I won't. Well, Phil's on it. Okay. of course
1: (laughs) well I've seen I've seen that on Facebook I saw that that she was giving some good you know props and kudos to Phil so I assumed that he had been working with her I I haven't seen Nancy in years uh we met at a little uh coffee house uh called the Adam's Apple in Indiana you remember that and uh you know and she was uh always a tender sweet spirit about her and again gifted guitarist gifted writer wonderful singer and uh so man isn't that exciting the lord is birthing new music and several of us that uh were back in the day laying the foundation for this and uh great to i can hardly wait to download that song and the entire record from her that'll be a a mainstay play, I know, in my list.
0: It, it, it's just exciting to know that that you, her, uh, the guys from Petra. There's, there's always, there's new music out there. It, it, yeah. you know, Petra's not. Petra may not be doing new music, but they got their old stuff going. You know, and it's. I, I hate the thought of of the classic Christian rock phasing out, but yeah. the, the revival of the Jesus People music excites me again.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that was a sweet time, man. I remember it, it going back to Expo 72. I, my father, I was holding him before he went home to be with the Lord. And um, the song, He's All You Need, uh, I wrote out of that experience. And it was a profound impact as a 17-year-old, uh, you know, to be... Uh, having that profound impact of holding my dad and the thing he told me before he went home to be with the Lord, he says, Steve, Jesus will never be all that you need until Jesus is all that you have. And out of that came the song, he's all you need. Right. And I asked my family because I had been saving for it and working odd jobs and my dad and mom had helped pay for the trip. And was going down with a couple of guys from our youth group there in Wheaton at Wheaton Bible Church. I said, should I still go? And they said, absolutely, this would be a great time. So it was that week, the following week, he went home to be with the Lord in June 6th, and it was the following week or two that Explo 72 was happening. And it was so amazing how the Lord healed. used that trip to not only encourage my own heart from my father's passing, his uh, promotion to his his heavenly home. But I remember seeing Larry Norman uh, on the street corner there uh, sharing the gospel with a police officer and the man Mm -hmm. receiving Christ. I remember seeing uh, Second Chapter of Acts with Barry McGuire singing in a park. You know, there was people all over that area just impromptu breaking out in song. And so when you say that music of the Jesus music of that time. Oh, I I hope we have a rebirth of that today, you know, where it's just done because we love the Lord and we love these songs and we want to see people know him and, and even wrestle through the great issues of life together. So yeah. Amazing.
0: You're going to get that vibe when you hear Jesus people, because it's, it's something else. Oh, tremendous. But I, I don't want to keep you a whole lot longer, but i got a couple more questions. Um, Surely. What are the chances of a few more concerts here and there?
1: Well, you know, uh, it's been great. I've gotten permission with my guys here at the church. Uh, as some pastors write books and commentaries and study Bibles, and then they go out and speak and whatever, I they said, hey, you can release records and go out and sing. So. Uh, In fact, uh, a week from this Thursday, I fly up to upstate New York and I'm doing a a men's retreat up there for a couple of days and then uh, speaking and singing at uh, their three main services. Uh, So this will be I I did this last year as well. So I haven't received um, I haven't taken a lot of invitations. I'll say it that way, because my first dedication is here to the church. Mm -hmm. But with the uh, release of a new record coming, they realized that there's going to be some give and take with this. So we're going to navigate those waters. But, yeah, I hope that we can be out doing many concerts uh, this next year. And most likely you'll see my wife, Cindy, uh, with me again, an amazing violinist. And uh, she's played those great rock and roll violins that you would hear on some some wonderful pop rock music as well as the traditional classic kind of things. Mm-hmm. So we go into a church and have had a chance to uh, when I'm singing and do some praise music, she's there playing with and just adds a dimension that's phenomenal. So, uh, you know, and I hope some of our kids can join us as well uh, in that journey. Uh, it should be great. So yes, look for updates and maybe little mini tours here and there.
0: Great. Now I have something else to plan for next year. <laughs> okay. Excellent.
1: <laughs> I, I, hey, I as, long, a, as long as you have me in Indianapolis, I'll count it a joy.
0: It, it'll it'll be a ball. And, and yes, I, I I took a break in uh, before the pandemic. Yeah. I I did it for a long time, and in the last couple shows. I just got the feeling that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze anymore, so I just laid off. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And and just before 2020 happened, I wanted to get Greg Hogue from Petra and and Nancy Honeytree to do a show for me. Just an acoustic. I was just going to call it Pioneers, and then the lockdown happened and it fizzled out.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: after, After all the nonsense went away, the first show I did back was, was my pioneers concert with Greg and Nancy. And it was a huge success. We, we had a ball, you know, Greg was on a strat and uh, Nancy was on her classical and they just, they wailed. They were amazing. Well, I took a break again. (laughs) And, and then uh, the beginning of this year, my daughter and I were both Elvis fans. And we went to the Elvis uh, birthday concert here in Indianapolis.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: The backup singers was Mark Blackwood in the Blackwood Quartet.
1: Wow. What a, what a privilege that must have been.
0: So after the show, me being me, I walked down to the stage and started talking to Mark Blackwood. Just a little bit later, I hosted my first Southern Gospel shows
1: <laughs>
0: w- with them.
1: Oh, and- that's amazing.
0: And, uh, Mark Blackwood's like the nicest guy in the world and talk about a voice, but you know, he's, he's a Blackwood that happens. But <laughs> So, you know, I'm always got my wheels turning. I don't want to do concerts as much as I used to do, but, uh, you know, a, a nice one, one good show a year. I, I think a Steve camp show in Indianapolis could happen.
1: Oh man. Just put me down. I'll clear the schedule whenever it looks good for you.
0: Well, uh, well, we'll talk. I can see that happening. I, <laughs> but there's there's one last question, and this is a question that everybody who's ever been on my podcast gets asked. Okay. Be, being Santa Rob, you get a wish. So, anyone, dead or alive, who would you like to perform with?
1: Oh, wow. Um... Uh, You know who it would be? Uh, Can I name two names? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll name three names. Okay. Uh, One uh, is my grandmother on my father's side that I never met, but she has written many famous hymns in the hymnal. And I would have loved to have been able to meet her and perform with her a great hymn that she wrote called That Beautiful Name.
0: Okay. and
1: uh, so that's one the second one might be a surprise and it would be George Harrison from the Beatles
0: okay that just excited me
1: <laughs> yeah and the reason why is I, I thought George always got the raw end of the deal with the Lennon McCartney uh, powerhouse that they were but he has written some of the great songs but um, I have read this on countless countless credible information that Before he died, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so to to if there and it's not a possibility, but if there was to Mm -hmm. be able to sing with him uh, about now a newfound faith in the Lord, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be incredible. And And then my third name is one who just recently passed, and that's Tony Bennett. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, he was my favorite, even over Old Blue Eyes, over Frank. Uh, Tony just was so rich at every phase of his musicality. And I've always wanted to sing in that genre or style with one of the greats. So there you have it. That's it. Uh, By the time this show airs, which
0: will be uh, October 16th, what, oh, I'm what, I'm about to, what, what, what I'm about to ask you will be old news, Okay, but, but it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask you this. We just lost Mylon Lefebvre. Yes. Did you know Mylon, and what was his influence?
1: I did know him. We didn't spend a lot of time together, but I did know him. He went to a church called Mount Perrin Church of God outside of Atlanta, and we had some really dear mutual friends there. Uh, together. But the first time I met Mylon was in Nashville at a, uh, we were both staying at a little kind of artist's hotel right down on music row. And when I first met Mylon, he had really long black hair with Indian feathers in his Mm -hmm. hair. And, and, you know, but he just, he was legitimately one of the great Southern rock, uh voices i mean he just could cross all genres and right. and so forth and and so uh when he really became uh sold out to the lord and f- formed my LeFevre and broken heart and then the great gospel songs that he generated throughout the years and we'd see each other at different venues and so forth uh you know we wouldn't We didn't get to spend uh, what I would call hang time, you know, Mm -hmm. just where we were down the road from each other, but it was always pleasurable. And the thing I appreciated about Mylon is not many can come out of the background that he came out of, survive it. And it adds to the betterment of his life and in music is to his musicality. And he used that past platform, then is a great heroic voice for the kingdom. And uh, so he will be missed. I know he was battling cancer and it's good to see now the Lord has brought him home and he's free from that suffering. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I think my, my favorite track by him is, is it wasn't one of his, but when uh, it's the Matthew Ward song, it's all right. Oh yeah. When, when, when I heard Milan do it, it's like, Oh my.
1: Yeah. Great, great song, and he will be missed uh, by many.
0: He will. He will. Well, Steve, I kept you a long time. We've covered a lot of ground, and I, I can't personally thank you enough for taking time off, even with the headache that we had trying to hook up last week.
1: Well, I don't know what the, the problem was, but, uh, you know, when I deleted the app uh, and just re-put it on, Uh, because I couldn't get it to connect a little bit before seven tonight yeah. and uh, re-engage the app. And then it auto-filled the things and all of a sudden join live recording. And I thought, man, this is fantastic. So thank you for your patience. And listen, thank you for reaching out. What an honor to speak with you. It's been effortless. And uh, seriously, I hope that uh, we can connect one of these days in Indianapolis and even do a live show. It'd be great.
0: That would be great. That, that would be great. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. Um, where can people contact you now and keep up with the, when the album does get released? Is Facebook the best place?
1: Uh, Facebook is the great place. Uh, Twitter is also a good place. But uh, we're developing a website right now. Uh, email address. Uh, the simplest one is info at stevecampmusic.com info at stevecampmusic.com and they can uh, send in uh, requests and ask questions and if there are those listening that would like to through their church or university or whatever that would like to have us in for uh, some concerts we would love to entertain that idea and maybe I could even coax Tim Miner to join us on a few of those shows so it could be great there you got it guys contact
0: him because we need to see Steve camp back out on the road again. We need to get the Jesus revolution happening again.
1: Well, amen. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it greatly.
0: Steve, thank you for your time and we'll be in touch very soon.
1: All right. Lord bless. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: huge thank you to Steve Camp for a very inspiring and informational podcast um, it would be great to see Steve back out on the road again and it's going to be super to hear more of Steve's music in the, in the very near future so you heard him info at Steve Camp uh, send send him that email So thanks Steve again I can't say thank you enough if you enjoyed this podcast, please send me an email at, uh, Santa Rob podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. Uh, you can do the same on slaying it with Santa Rob on Facebook. Get over there. Like that page, get over to Spotify, subscribe, give me that, uh, four or five star rating, whatever they got now. I've lost track of what they do. Uh, thank you to uh, my awesome sponsors, Brent Krismer at Brent Krismer's Mustache Wax. That's a bscenterprises.com. That's the home of Santa Rob Mustache Wax. It's scented like hot chocolate. It's soft. It's pliable. It's my favorite thing that I've ever used as far as mustache wax. And uh, use discount code Santa Rob and save 15%. And a big thank you to hotspotcollectiblesandtoys.com. If you love collecting things, video games, Hot Wheels, Barbie, y- you name it. Brad and his crew has it there. That's hotspotcollectiblesandtoys.com. Use discount code Santa Rob. save 15% there. And I thank you very much for being here, if not for you guys. You know what would we have? So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, and I will check you. Uh, or you'll check me out next week. We'll check each other out next week on another episode of Slaying It with Santa Rob.